so we all know the party line. If you've got a question or a concern about your health, go have a chat with your GP. I get it. I'm all for it. But I mean, if you think about it as well, all the time during the day, we've got questions or concerns or thoughts about our own health. Is it always the case that the most natural and easiest way to deal with all of it is to physically go into a clinic, sit across from someone that you probably don't know that well and tell them all about it and see what they say. We're in a society now where we need more direct access to information and we have the world's information literally at our fingertips if we want it. So it's really important that patients have access to accurate and reliable information when it comes to their health. And when it comes to women's health, the need's even greater. So with me today is Dr. Emma Reese, and in this episode, we're talking about the accessibility of healthcare resources and expertise for women and the work going on to help improve it for women around the country. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Dr. Emma Reese, founder and CEO of FEMA, which is committed to empowering women with shared decision-making by providing easy access to GP specialist consults, treatment, education, and community. Hey, Emma, how are you going? I'm good, thank you. And thank you for having me on the show today. Great to have you on the show. So thank you for joining from all the way over in Western Australia. It's good to have you here. Tell us a bit more about you and your background, please, Emma. Yeah, so I'm a GP and I qualified as a GP back in 2007 and did a lot of extra training in women's health in the UK. And then in 2019, moved to Australia and set up a women's health clinic on the east coast of Australia and delivered women's health care services really at the interface between primary and secondary care. So lots of procedural types of healthcare delivery and focusing really on the diagnostics and the ongoing follow-up of women for a whole host of different conditions, endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, contraceptive care, and that's my true passion and decided to go full-time into women's health rather than doing general GP work. And we spent a lot of time looking at how potentially we could improve the journey for women, improve their healthcare journeys by trying to blend together both face-to-face and digital healthcare solutions. Interesting. So tell me a bit more about that need to add in some digital solutions. We'll talk about FEMA in a second, but, you know, doing the face-to-face consultations, particularly Mm. focused on women's health, why add the digital element? Yeah, because there was a number of reasons. Firstly, when people were coming into the clinic, I was asking the same questions quite frequently. So every lady would go through a healthcare history taking process. And I realized that a lot of the questions that I was asking could probably be asked through digital means. So we could probably preempt that consultation and gather some of that information before the person came into the room. And I find that really interesting because for me, what it meant was that I could then focus more time and attention on the person in the room at the time and really 
get to understand what their healthcare needs were and all of the information that had been gathered would inform that, but really be able to have a proper conversation in the room and have longer with that person. And then to spend longer with that person, understanding whatever their diagnosis may be, and to provide people with a tangible outcome when they leave the room. So often I feel that when people have face-to-face consultations, they don't necessarily leave the room with a written plan telling them how to manage their healthcare beyond that interaction. And so I felt that digital technologies could enable me to do a better information gathering process at the start and at the end of the consultation give somebody a real reference point as to where to go to understand their condition, what the plan actually was, and make it less transactional and more of a journey. Mm. Sounds like it solves such an important problem. And like you say, when you go in for a consult, it's kind of like this, you're in a different world sometimes. You often feel like you recover from leaving a, like whatever it is, like a health consultation, whether it's about yourself or for your kids or for for someone you're caring for, you leave and then afterwards you're like, oh, I should have said this thing or, oh, I just needed to get this out so I didn't sound like an idiot or something like that. You know, it's such a, and it doesn't matter how inviting it is or how long you spend there. It's just physically being somewhere. I think it just has a different vibe about it. Yeah, I think it's really hard. I mean, I've been a patient myself. You'd think that a doctor, being a patient, would be really, really enabled and know exactly what they need to ask and, and how to ask it. And and yet, in my own healthcare journeys, I know that there's been many times where that 15 minutes is just kind of overtaken by the direction that the doctor's taking it in, or sometimes my own concerns are left at the door. And then when I go home, I'm thinking, well, actually, what do I do about this? Or I never mentioned that. And so trying to enable people to have more of a journey and an experience as opposed to that 15 minute transaction and then kind of go home and still search for solutions that it was something that I guess I'd experienced myself and wanted to try and overcome that for other people yeah well and I guess enter FEMA tell us a bit more about FEMA what it is who's it for what problems it's all yeah I'd be delighted to so FEMA is a women's healthcare experience and it is delivered by digital means so We focus on women based all over Australia, but particularly facing women who have traditional barriers to access. So it may be where they're located or it may be that they are a shift worker and find it difficult to access healthcare and particularly healthcare specifically focused upon women. So women who are experiencing menopause or polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, for example, these are quite difficult conditions and often not talked about very often, you know, very well. And so people can feel quite isolated when they're either wondering if they have these conditions or if they've received a diagnosis and are then managing or living with that condition. And so that was something that I really wanted to overcome. And I wanted to not just enable people to have diagnosis, but also enable people to have the education around that diagnosis that they need. So to really address that knowledge gap as well as the access gap that can exist. And then... The other thing that I think is really key is that people might struggle to access healthcare or they might easily access healthcare, but then it doesn't necessarily mean that you can easily access the plan around that healthcare. So if, for example, somebody would benefit from seeing a physiotherapist, it isn't always easy to access a physiotherapist when you're based remotely and particularly a physiotherapist who is focused on women's health. So what we wanted to do with FEMA was to bring together all of those different streams and enable people to 
access knowledge, access the consults, and then access the management plans, the other side of that. And again, coming back to the sense of isolation that people sometimes feel with particular conditions or diagnosis, to enable people to operate in a community of like-minded people so that they can also benefit from the peer support. So we've got a few different ways in which people can operate in the kind of platform, but the I guess overall what we're hoping to do with it is to empower people to look after their healthcare in a way that really suits them and to have access to all of the things they need to enable them to do that. So it's why we call it a healthcare experience. Yeah, I was going to say it's all the elements that we need in healthcare or much beyond just the consultation itself, all of the things around it, the education, the challenges around access, the community aspects, they're all important things. But I like how it's, you know, focused on the the women's health side of things, which is particularly important as well. Yeah, I think women and men actually do access healthcare differently as well. And I think women very much like to operate in communities as opposed to in isolation. And so hopefully with the FEMA community, that will enable people to do that. Love it. I'm thinking though, you know, we've been through COVID and we're in Australia. It's a big country. We always talk about the need for telehealth and the problems that telehealth is solving for. We've got telehealth, it's reimbursed now. Isn't that enough to solve this though? I mean, I think we've made great strides Thanks to the pandemic. I don't know that we often thank the pandemic, but certainly I think um, telehealth has benefited from the challenges that the pandemic posed. And and I think access and enabling access is great. And it's something which really in such a vast country with people located very far sometimes from cities, I think it's something which should have always been on the agenda. And I'm glad to see that that's happening now. But I think there's still some way to go. And I think in terms of healthcare, again, comes back to trying to divide it from that transactional nature. So something that is done there and then and ends and developing it into something which is more of an experience, which is ongoing and that somebody is actually engaged in. And I think we can certainly go further with digital solutions to enable that and to really try and address Again, it comes back to pulling together all the threads and addressing the knowledge gap as well as the access problems as well as the delivery of the solution as well. And and I think that's what we're hoping to do with FEMA. But I think in terms of the wider landscape for digital health, it's something which there's a huge opportunity there for us to be able to benefit from. And, And I hope that we do see more solutions doing that because all we can do is improve access. And I think for me, the true opportunity with digital health is to either transcend traditional barriers, so transcend the barriers of access or the barriers of delivery, Mm. or to augment existing face-to-face care pathways that are really, really good. So if we can augment them by enabling people to fill their forms in at home and help that information gathering and to access plans that they can see at home as well, I think there's an opportunity there. So it's a great place to be at the moment, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really like this this thinking around building on top of that infrastructure and, and really serving patients and communities with what's needed. And this point around augmenting existing pathways too, I think is really important. And I know how important it is for you that, you know, FEMA ties back into the existing healthcare ecosystem to talk to me about why that's so important. Absolutely. Because I think Healthcare needs to be delivered in a variety of ways. Individuals operate in different ways and and what works for one person well will not necessarily work well for somebody else. But I think we've got 
highly trained, highly qualified doctors, healthcare professionals in the community who are really doing a great job. And I don't think we want to undermine that at all. I think what we really want to do is enable them to scale more and enable people to get to see the right person at the right time in the right way for that person. So I'd like digital health to open up opportunities, but I don't think that it needs to change good face-to-face pathways that exist if they're working well. I think we should really look at the opportunity for augmenting, improving and enabling, but not replacing for no need. Absolutely. And so Femo, where is it at right now? There's patients on the platform, is the clinicians using, where are you at? Yeah, yeah. So we've got a community of over 2,000 people at the moment, and that's growing every day, which is really pleasing to see. And in the community, people can access the free education. They can also, we've got an expert advisory panel and people can ask general questions of that panel through the free community. So, and that's something which, again, is growing and we're seeing a lot more educational information through that pathway as well. And it's really interesting because people are asking questions that are relevant for them. And I think as a doctor, I sometimes assume what kind of questions people want answers to and the actual questions people ask are very different. So it's good to have those real questions from people that we can then address and answer. So that's great. Um, The other thing we've got, we are offering digital consultations, either by text or by video-based consultations, but the actual consultation form that the patient completes is based on very familiar history taking that we do in medicine. So starting with presenting complaint, past medical history, social history, family history, so on and so forth. And the questions that we ask are based on the latest clinical guidelines. And so when the doctor receives the summary about the patient with the form that they've completed, it contextualizes that patient's information within the latest clinical guidelines, which I think is really, really clever and something which in the different streams that we currently operate is is fantastic for doctors because they immediately can understand what the clinical setting for that patient is as well. So that's been great. And we've seen a lot of people come through and do consults and benefit from our management plans that way as well. So we're fully operational. We're bringing on new conditions all the time. So we're about to launch endometriosis. And I think that's a really interesting one because that's one that really does lend itself to this blended delivery. So we can gather the information about somebody and enable them to see a gynecologist in a timely way and then support them post seeing the gynecologist in the community with their management plans. So I think that's a great example of what I think digital health can do really well. Absolutely. And I like this point it's, it's not discussed too often is, you know, having more digitally enabled care does often we speak about from a patient's perspective, the ease of access, and that's all really important and valid. But like you said too, with more information being captured upfront or during the consultation, the fact that it's kind of documented as it's happening, like often with technology, it's really like, as you know, and as everyone knows in a, in a physical bricks and mortar clinic, to put it into an EMR or a practice management system involves the clinician, you know, punching it into a computer. But if the consultation is happening in a, whether it's asynchronously, whether it's through chat or within a forum or other ways, it's kind of captured there. And then that gives opportunity for other things to happen, whether it's around, like you say, layering over the top of clinical decision support tools, all that kind of stuff. So really interesting space to operate in. So that's cool. It benefits both from a clinician side as well as the patient side. Yeah, absolutely. As a clinician, it's, as you say, you actually really capture that complete conversation that's happening and that is then in the notes. So people can actually 
the next time they see that person can see exactly what happened in real, almost in real time. And then I think the actual clinical guidelines and the digital consultation forms and kind of pulling all of that together is great as a clinician. In our kind of FEMA clinical advisory panel, keep all the guidelines completely up to date. So you could be confident working within the platform that you have got the latest guidelines that you're working from. Mm. Hey, one thing I know is that the world of Facebook groups is a pretty wild west kind of space, but that's a place where a lot of people also go for advice about things and communities. Um, you know, how do you go about ensuring that like, there's a lot of benefit and, and a lot of need patients kind of call for what people think about this and, and get, you know, crowdsourcing of ideas and things. How do you kind of control to make sure that, you know, things don't get out of control and that yeah. patients are putting things out there and getting the wrong kind of advice going on? Yeah, so we have a fully moderated community. So um, we've got community managers who can help to direct patients as well in terms of where to go within the platform. So which area of the platform will probably suit their needs at that time best, whether that be a consultation or maybe putting something into the general forum. But I think that is really important, making sure that it's fully moderated and that we don't have people putting anything on there and then other people thinking that's a, a source of truth. So yeah, we've got quite busy community managers managing that for us. Amazing. And so there's probably a good amount of our listener base. There's probably quite a few women who are listening to this who would think that it's a good platform for them as well to utilize. So you mentioned, is it free to sign up? How does it work and how would people get in and start yeah. using the platform? So there's a few different ways. We have a free community, so you can just sign up your email address and you'll get access to the free community, which is where we have the Ask the Expert panel and also a lot of educational content. And um, you can buy consultations, so individual consultations. People can literally just log on, create an account, and then fill in the consultation form, and that will get presented to one of our doctors, and that may be your only interaction with the platform. But we also have a lifestyle subscription as well. So for $10 a month, people can then access specific plans around their health. So we've got dietitian and nutritionist plans for PCOS and menopause, for example. We've got exercise, we've got personal training, we've even got a beauty section <laughs> and a fashion section. And that's partly because I think these kinds of things don't actually, you know, when we're thinking about managing health, we often forget that we're actually, people are operating in life. And so things like how to apply their foundation if they've got hormonal acne is really, really important to them. And we shouldn't forget that, I don't think. Mm. So with FEMA, what we wanted to do was to really look at all of the challenges people might face or think about and try and actually give them solutions or ways to solve those issues for them through the platform. So yeah, we've got beauty and fashion on there as well. That's so important. I think that in terms of resonance and what's driving people to use things in the end, there are people looking after their health so they can live a longer and happy life. And that demonstrates, you know, how well you know the needs of your patients and your community. So I think that's amazing. And that would excite many people looking to utilize the platform as well. So I'm keen to know as well from, you know, future focus, thinking about what's on the horizon, what can we look forward to seeing from FEMA over the next 6, 12, 24? Yeah. So we're going to keep expanding the condition areas that we operate or with, that we currently look after. So on our roadmap, we've got endometriosis about to launch. We've also got um, areas about incontinence. There's a whole host of different things that are coming up in terms of the clinical areas. And the other exciting thing is we're developing some programs. And the programs basically allow people to either 
use them if they've had a consultation and received a diagnosis, or they can use them independently without having had a consultation, but certainly to explore different areas. So we've got a menopause program, an endometriosis program, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and then general well-being and contraception or kind of just general health. And the aim of the programs is to, again, just try and provide a bit more structure, I think, around the education side of things. So to enable somebody to benefit from the information and the education around their own body and how their health works. And then to bring into that the relevant nutrition and exercise and lifestyle changes that might be beneficial within that particular area. So I think in terms of an example, menopause is probably a good example. And firstly, just um, the education side to help people to understand what menopause is and how it can affect their health. And then nutrition plans and how to actually, what we don't want to do is have people that become dependent, that they can only use a FEMA recipe. What we want to help people to do is understand what goes into those recipes and why they're like that so that somebody can then be on the program, create their own recipes. They don't have to have FEMA recipes, for example. And the same with exercise with the exercise side of it as well. I think the other, helping people to understand what kind of exercise is right for their particular condition and then enabling them to, beyond BEMA, be able to structure their diet, exercise, lifestyle in a way that really benefits their health. There's so much I love about this, both in the how much importance you place on tying things back into the existing healthcare ecosystem and also, you know, enabling patients to live happier and healthier onwards beyond the program. It's doing all the things for the right reasons. And, you know, it all ties in with everything that we talk about on this podcast as well. So loving this, Emma, I'll put the details for FEMA in the show notes of this episode for people to check out. I'm sure there'd be many community members and audience members who would see benefit for themselves as well in participating and getting amongst the community. So I encourage everyone to check that out and provide the support. Emma, I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. Go make it happen.